welcome back to another episode of my Meet an Expert or Partner series. Today, I have Daniel here with me who leads the Rare Disease Film Festival. Just to start out today, Daniel, if you could briefly introduce yourself and tell us a little about yourself and who you are. Sure. My name is Daniel DeFabio. I am a co-founder of Disorder, the Rare Disease Film Festival and the Disorder Channel. And I was a dad to a boy who had Mickey syndrome, which is an ultra rare disease. It's a copper transport disorder. And I currently work at Global Genes as their associate director for community engagement. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you lead the Rare Disease Film Festival and Disorder Channel. So what is the purpose of this organization and what does it basically do? Right, both were founded to um, be a platform for sharing more rare disease stories. Um, certainly, rare disease stories as told in film, but the goal is is more awareness and more connections among uh, stakeholders in the community. And we had a goal. Bo Bigelow and I founded this festival together. We had a goal that we would not just be collecting great films and and showing them to an audience, but also taking care about who is in that audience and and trying to um, reach the right people. And the right people would be, of course, the patients themselves and their caregivers and advocates. But in some ways, that community already has the message. Uh, So we wanted the audience to include industry that might be working for cures or treatments or clinicians who might be making diagnoses. And we think we've done a fairly good job of uh, attracting all those people to this content. And, you know, because there's 7,000 rare diseases, nobody, no matter how expert, knows everything about rare disease. So it's a great opportunity to introduce people to an aspect they might not be uh, familiar with. And our great hope is that some people come away from this saying, I didn't know that the thing I'm working on in this disease is similar to what you need to find out in your disease. And maybe we can compare notes or maybe I can connect you to my experts or, um, or maybe I could be the expert for you on your disease. So those type of things have happened in our festival and as a result of the films on our channel, the Disorder Channel. And that's really why we do it. Mm-hmm. So could you talk like a little bit more about who creates this films? If like each one targets a different rare disease, like how does the filmmaking process kind of work? In the beginning, uh, we started from a place where I had made a film on my son and Mankey's disease and two other boys uh, that have Mankey's disease. And I knew Bo was about to make a film about his daughter who had uh, USP7, which is now called Howe Fountain Syndrome. Mm-hmm. And we knew of a few other people that had done something similar for their own families. You know, They made the film they needed to tell the story about their child. And we thought that would be the basis for our film festival and it is there's plenty of films like that but then we opened the doors sort of wide through online submissions for films and found industry was making films too and as long as they were more focused on the patient story than the industry sort of promotional work 
we were open to those films too, and they tend to have higher budgets and uh, maybe a little higher production value, and they might you know shoot around the world or in beautiful locations, and you know you can imagine some of the more homemade uh, by parents films tend to uh, not you know have epic mountaintop locations, more like mm-hmm. intimate living room conversations. And all those ways of making a film are valid, and, and we're glad to have a diverse lineup. Um, we even have some films that are not documentaries. Uh, they might be a fictional film that still has accurate information about a rare disease, or they might be an animated film, or even a comedy. We have a few of those. Mm-hmm. So is this like a competition type thing that happens once a year, and you take submissions once a year, or...? How does that work? Uh, we originally scheduled it as biannual. We started in 2017 in Boston, and then we did 2019 in San Francisco. We did think that our next one would have been New York City in May of 2020, but pandemic really made that a bad idea for us. So we are yet to decide when our next one will be. In terms of is it a competition, no. We made a deliberate choice that unlike a typical film festival, it didn't feel quite right in this space to tell a rare disease advocate that your story is somehow better than someone else's story. Mm-hmm. So we completely avoided the idea of awards or competition. Mm-hmm. But like any film festival, you do have to submit and you do have to be selected and unfortunately we can't select every film there's just not time enough so there may feel like a bit of competition at that point just to be submitting and selected and the good news for us is once we created the disorder channel some of that restriction went away we didn't have uh, the time limit of a film festival where maybe we can only show eight hours of films Um, but on the channel we could load up infinite hours of films Mm -hmm. and one difference that made for us is um, as we had previously considered different films and let's say we had five submissions on bat and disease and we might think well we can only show one of these but on the channel if all five films are good let's put them all up there and if people want to get more in depth on bat and disease they can keep watching more films Mm -hmm. so you showcase all of these films on a YouTube channel? Is that where they are? No, this is a, it's called an OTT mm-hmm. streaming channel, like, um, you know, a very much smaller version of Netflix or mm-hmm. um, Hulu. We are available on Roku TVs and Fire TV, Amazon Fire TV devices. And it's free if you search for the channel under ad streaming channels. We should come right up, or you could search the title of any of our films and they would come up. And, and then you've installed our channel to your smart TV. We do have a YouTube channel, but it is not the same as our full channel. It's more about samples and promotional pieces. So you might find we've begun to do um, episodics, you know, interview shows. Um, if you know the podcast Once Upon a Gene, mm-hmm. we have the TV version of that. And while we put one or two of those episodes on YouTube, you'll find all the episodes on our channel got it okay um and then so like what really inspired you to start 
this organization and what got you into rare disease awareness and advocacy? I knew nothing about rare disease until my son was born, Lucas was born in 2008 and diagnosed a year later with Menke syndrome. And all of a sudden, I found myself in a very different world than a friend told me about Rare Disease Day. And I started to pay attention to what those events were all about and started to do fundraiser walks and things like that. But they'd just never been a part of my life until then. Mm-hmm. And eventually, I wrote a blog post about Lucas and, and how our lives had changed because of his diagnosis. And it met with some good reactions and Global Gene shared it, and that made me think um, maybe there was an audience for this kind of story. Maybe it wasn't just me venting you know, my personal experience, but it was useful information for others. So I decided to tell the story in a film, which was a documentary, Mankey's Disease, Finding Help and Hope. And that film played some festivals, and I decided to go to the Global Genes Conference. And I met O. Bigelow there in 2015. We talked about his daughter and how he had written about her and how he might make a film about her. And we talked about the better and worse places to try to show films like this. Mm -hmm. And eventually, um, in the next year or so, we took those conversations to the level of um, there aren't ideal film festivals for rare disease stories. Mm-hmm. And if there isn't something like that already, does that mean that we should be the ones to create it? And we did. Mm-hmm. So what made you um, choose film over like another form of giving information, such as like a podcast or... Um, a blog site or something like that? Yeah, that's a good question. I always say we, we all, it's interesting to look at rare disease advocates. I think we all lean into our strengths. You know, somebody who's really good at raising money, they go out and they raise a lot of money. Somebody who's good at science, you know, they help move the science forward. Mm-hmm. So I had a background in film, mostly movie marketing. I had run a, another film festival prior that had nothing to do with rare disease. Um, that was the Boston Spa Film Festival that ran with my leadership for four years, but it it ran for 10 years total. Um, So I had some experience in this area and I had done some of the other things you mentioned. I had written uh, several blog posts, mostly for the mighty. I currently write blogs for courageous parent network. Mm -hmm. Um, And Bo had at the time I met him, I think there were probably only three podcasts on rare disease and you probably know very well now there are dozens. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, Bo Bigelow's podcast, Stronger Every Day, Danny Levine's podcast for Global Genes called Rarecast, and I think the two disabled dudes, they might have been the only podcasts I could find about rare disease mm-hmm. you know, just six years ago. So um, it's a bit of a roundabout answer to Bo and I were trying all the media we could get our hands on for awareness and the one we found maybe we were most suited to or most expert in was film and film Mm -hmm. in my opinion combines the best of all right you can Mm -hmm. you can write your story you can have music for your story you can have 
perspective changing. You can have multiple people telling stories. So it's a pretty powerful uh, medium. In fact, um, Bo often says film is an empathy engine. Mm-hmm. So I think most people, when presented with facts, they don't necessarily change their minds. But when presented with stories, they might. Mm-hmm. So that's really, this is our our way of telling stories in the most powerful medium we know. Got it. And then what is your favorite part about rare disease advocacy and running this organization? Uh, It's my favorite part, but it's the part I've been missing this past year is the face-to-face. You know, when we all sit in a room together and we watch the same story and then we all go to the lobby and you connect at a different level with someone you said I didn't know that part of your story or I didn't know that's what you were dealing with and it's such a shared experience even though the 7,000 diseases have very unique symptoms and some are going to be um you know more physical and some might be more mental and some might be um life limiting but we all have this shared experience that there seems to be so much in common and I think we can talk to each other in ways that we can't talk to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what are some major achievements or accomplishments of your organization since it started, such as some growth opportunities and anything like that? Uh, Well, you know, each step of the way planning this first film festival, we wondered if, um, if it could succeed, you know, could we find enough films other than maybe the five we knew about at the beginning? And we did, we found more than enough films and unfortunately we had to turn some away. Um, and then, you know, could, could this event be sponsored? Would we find sponsors for it? And I'm not going to say that was easy, but after you got the first one, it was easier to get the next one Mm -hmm. and industry came on board and, um, we're very grateful to them. They sponsored us and made the events possible. And then the third challenge was, okay, so the event's going to happen. We have a lot of films. Will we fill the seats? Will people come? And we were, again, pleasantly surprised. Our Boston event, we had five out of seven of our screenings as sellouts. Um, one was at a great big old theater in Harvard Square. It's a beautiful location. So I think each step of the way, we've been a little bit pleasantly surprised at um, how well people receive what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So this kind of um, goes off of what you just said, but what are some things that you've learned since starting your organization or lessons you've learned, anything like that? Uh, I think... Yes, it does relate to what I said that um, when you throw something out there into the world publicly, you can be surprised by who gravitates to it, how many people gravitate to us. And it's a great compliment to us when we hear, I love what you're doing, people need to be doing that, we need more of that, all that kind of thing. But it's not just compliments. A lot of times they become partnerships. They become people that choose to work with us. They might commission us to make a film for them, or they might uh, suggest 
another venue in which we can show films. And we've been lucky to partner a few times with uh, sometimes industry conventions that would show our films uh, this September, both Biotech Week and Boston and Global Genes in San Diego. Their conferences will show some of our films. And we love those kind of partnerships that bring us out there to a bigger audience than we might find on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you feel um, comfortable sharing, how many, like approximately how many sub, um, submissions do you get um, per film festival? Uh, you know, I, I, it's been a while, so I, I don't have the exact numbers, but we, I think in Boston, we showed seven hours of films and it, in San Francisco, um, I think we might show showed eleven hours of films. It was two days. Each each event was two days from noon to eight pm. Mm-hmm. Almost almost constantly showing films. We show an hour of films. We have an hour of Q and A, and we show an hour of films and have an hour of Q and A. So, for the people that came and sat and watched every film, they were. They were making a commitment. It was a time commitment for sure. Mm-hmm. So, were you able to like adapt to the virtual circumstances and somehow virtually host it this year? Not as a festival per se. Mm-hmm. Although last fall, um, both those organizations I mentioned, Biotech Week Boston and Global Genes, they did do a virtual presentation of some of our films mm-hmm. last September. This year, I'm glad to say. Uh, the Biotech Week Boston is face-to-face, and Global Teens is a hybrid of some face-to-face and some virtual. But for us, uh, directly as Disorder of the Rare Disease Film Festival, we chose not to do a virtual film festival. We chose instead to create the Disorder Channel. And the difference being a festival might be temporary. You could watch those films online for a particular you know, one-week or two-week time period. Mm-hmm. And our channel is enduring it's 24 hours a day seven days a week for the foreseeable future of however many years we can do this um and the channel has the advantage as i said earlier of being bigger we can we offer over 100 films and videos on the channel and in a festival uh, we can only offer you know eight or 16 hours of films mm-hmm so with the channel being virtual, is there still that like Q&A component or a way for people to comment on the films or like provide any comments of what they thought or anything like that? Well, as a TV channel, there isn't. Um, but on our social media, there is. And mm-hmm. of course, people find us and email us and they give us feedback that way. Mm-hmm. All right, and then, so could you um, share, like, the links and how to access the films and stuff like that um, to my podcast listeners right now? Sure. Uh, com will give you the basic information, but really it's going to, when you go there, it's going to tell you to use your Roku device or your Fire TV device and search for our channel and add it. And then the other one is rarediseasefilmfestival.com for information when we do our next film festival. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so just to kind of close out now, I was wondering if there was anything else you would like to tell my podcast listeners today or like any final words of wisdom or any advice you have for them. Um, My audience is mainly like rare disease patients and advocates. Um, So just anything else you would like to say? Um, I think a lot of the people that listen to you would already know this, but not everyone is comfortable sharing their story publicly, but if you are, you should. I really think it um, it yields unexpected good things, and they can share that by being a guest with people like you on podcasts. Mm-hmm. As we talked about, they can blog their story. Whatever you put out there publicly, assuming you're comfortable with that, um, you're going to be surprised by who it reaches, who it touches, and sometimes what they offer you back because of that connection. And if any of those people are ready, they have some video skills and they want to take it to that level and tell their story and film their video, they should get in touch with us and maybe we'll end up putting it on our channel. All right, perfect. So um, I would just like to thank you so much, Daniel, for joining me today and partnering with me to be on my podcast and just like sharing the mission and goals of your organization. So thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course.